Hey everybody, welcome to the Evoke Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hausler. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. These short 8 to 15 minute podcasts cover a wide range of topics to help you get faster. Whether you're looking to win a national championship, finish Leadville, crush Tulsa Tough, get on a Gravel Worlds podium, or simply drop your friends. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010, and I've trained with power for over 150,000 miles. I've also won three Masters National Championships, but I'm mostly proud of my nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums simply because it shows my consistency in the game and my hunger to get better for not only myself, but the Evoke community, which includes you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave us a review on Apple or follow and download the episodes from Spotify. And if you want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom of this podcast where your donation will help us pay for everything that helps to keep this free podcast going. Now to the show. What's up, man? How's it going? Good. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, What is it? Bienvenido. You're in Spain right now? Yeah. Uh, Yes. Buenas noches. Buen dia. Are you in Girona? Yeah. Sweet. Dude, I think appreciate you doing this. Your yeah. Uh, your podcast gets referenced often by myself or other people. And so I was <laughs> like, man, I gotta see if he'll just sit down and chat. Something maybe uh I got a few questions, but something more just like casual. I think a lot of athletes similar to what we talked to before, just like, so what's this guy doing over in Spain? Like you've had some crazy results and we see you on TV and it's uh it's awesome man just want to sort of check in and appreciate you sitting down and do this yeah yeah chipping away um yeah sort of a different program this year last year i was mostly on like the the classic squad of belgian style racing so this year uh all of february was in spain so it's just a different style of racing it's uh it's been going pretty well for me so yeah tell me about that so it looked like i was looking on pro cycling stats to try and get like a snapshot of this year overall it seemed like 20 race days you had the huge result um in ruta del sol you want to talk about that a little bit yeah it's uh yes it's a cool race we came off three uh three back-to-back one days and then had a day off and then went straight into that so it was kind of interesting to see how the fatigue was, but yeah, it was just one of those days where uh, we kind of knew there was the potential for, for the GC teams to roll the dice with how much climbing was coming. So yeah, it was kind of one of those things where they all kind of looked at each other and are you going to pull? Are you going to pull? And so it was like an hour in or two hours in, we had 15 minutes. And so it was like, okay, this is, this is going to work. Um, so then it was trying to put into practice all the stuff all the stuff we talk about of aero carbs, just kind of saving energy. Cause, and then at the end there was like quite a sizable climb, um, into the final. What's so two things near and dear to my heart, arrow and carbs. Tell me more of what are your, th- when you think about that, what do you think about? So you're talking about in the break, is it as simple as being arrow and eat a lot of carbs or what does Steven Bassett think of when you think of that? Yeah, one of the one of the things that's been interesting to me this year because I've got been able to get in a lot more breakaways is the the Euros really like to ride chain gang style, so they like to do like through and through over and slow back, 
and it's it's not very effective because you're spending half of your pull side by side so you're you're pulling twice as much as you need to so <laughs> pretty much every break i've gotten into i'm just immediately like one line just kind of yelling uh and uh this time everybody was was pretty on board so that was nice when you have nine guys riding single file you're not you're not pulling that much mm -hmm. um so that's that's usually step one is is you know f four to ten minutes into the break it's try and get everyone to do that and <laughs> have a and language have a language barriers language barriers yeah i mean the... uh yeah this was a a heavily belgian break i think so i but yeah that's kind of to do on my uh, on my agenda is try and learn to communicate this in a couple languages because it's it's pretty important and it seems to not always get through. It's pretty smart. I I've tried to learn small bits of Dutch and it has or Flemish and has not gone well. So I wish <laughs> you the best of luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, carbs getting some more shine from Vanderpool and his stem. Uh, you are on the 120 gang per hour. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I think that day probably 150 until the last hour, just cause you kind of knew that you had to bank it a little bit. And especially just with so many races back to back, it's just, uh, some of it is trying to maximize performance on the day and some of it's trying to minimize the hole for later. So I'm probably more on the hundred grams an hour just across the board almost any any ride and then 120 to 150 in the in the more heated race situations at this point so with that race being in like mid-february and you're when you're mentioning like you had a bunch of one days a rest day and so the fatigue management was a big piece of that are you also are you guys doing anything maybe in training camps you know in january to specifically think forward of like hey we got this block there's gonna you know it's gonna be day five and we're still gonna go race but it's just gonna be the start of this stage race like does that come in does fatigue management come into the training preparation at all months before or is it so early in the year that it's like eh, we can't do too much because we don't want to be too fit too soon if i'm saying that all correctly yeah yeah, so I think we tried to, you know, with me and my coach, we tried to take a more macro view of the of the situation and basically just didn't want to go in overcooked on having done a million intervals. So, yeah, I mean, the whole three months leading into it, we I tried to as much as possible, like back off the structure and still a couple days a week. I was still doing my normal stuff. But uh, in general, I tried to make it a lot more a lot more rides where I was just riding around just zone two, no structure. Um, and I think that, you know, physically gave me somewhere to go up. Once I started racing, I wasn't already kind of maxing out. And then it also just kept me mentally fresher. And so, yeah, just generally the big thing I thought was I need more volume and less structure leading mm -hmm. into the season. Do you know off the top of your so did you ride more, do you think, in like December, January, February than previously? Yeah, I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, probably, you know, maybe 10 hours a month more, 15 cool. hours a month That's... more. Just just general general riding. And then I also my numbers are always a bit low because I don't really do rest day rides. Um mm -hmm. so but yeah, you... more more volume in general. So you doing just full day off the bike? 
Yeah, and uh, in Europe and at races, I'll do a rest day ride if that's what the team's doing. But if I'm left to my own devices, I don't really. I think it's better just mentally it refreshes me. And then also with so many uh, gooch issues <laughs> over the years, it's just something I started doing. Dude, I think it's important to rest, uh, yeah, rest yes. the in between. Yes, we have a very casual podcast I do with my buddy Josh. And that's actually like, can I? I'm screwed. I'm just going to say it. And I was like, man, that <laughs> getting a break is amazing. Like if I get off the bike on Sunday and you know, you get off and you're like, man, it's one of those days where you can't wait to get out of your bib shorts. And I get to Monday morning, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of banged up down there. Tuesday comes. Just that day of no saddle time is amazing. Like, just skin gets way more, rec- whatever the term is in dermatology, like, recovered. Yeah. And, yeah, that's interesting to hear. So, that's I think that's smart. I think it's great. I don't, I'm not a big recovery day guy. It, just, it takes too much time. I kind of like not riding. And then yeah. I... I get to the afternoon. I'm like, Oh, I really want to ride. I can't wait to ride tomorrow. And I actually get to go ride. I don't have to like piddle around. So what's, um, what has been, I'm just curious if like any, uh, new foods over there in Spain that you've been diving into. Have you spent this long of time in Spain before? Yeah, I think last year was probably a a four month block and then a three month block, Mm. which will be pretty similar this year. So Anything yeah, new exciting to the palate? Mm, nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. It's just been uh, just been your basic. A lot of a lot of veg and pasta and just pretty standard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing too crazy. That works. What's um? What is it like when so you go over and you were were you in? So the, the first race, Val- Valenciana, what's kind mm-hmm. of your role there? Because you had, if people go back and look at, um, what's the website? Pro Cycling Stats. You know, those are some tough races. Season's just starting. Hot, you got, I think you had like a lot of like 100th places. Are you working for someone there? Are you just getting in the groove going? And one thing I talk, I'm always curious about this with like professional athletes, because I know Joey goes to his first race here in the U S it's an amateur race. We know everybody. If people sometimes aren't killing right away, they get really like, Oh my God, did my, is my training screwed up? Did I like, did I do something wrong? Did I not do a base? Do I not do enough intensity? How do you, when you come in as a pro and maybe it's just a super hard race. I don't really know that race, but the level two point pro, but you get a hundredth. How does that sit? How do you like, does that bother you at all? Or are you just like, Hey, I was working for a teammate and I did my job and, and that's why you get a hundred. It's hard to tell from a results sheet. If we don't see the race. What's that like in the beginning of the season for you? Yeah. So it's, it's uh, always a, a little discouraging, but I think uh, for me, it was had pretty clearly some, some heat and fluid issues. Cause just the first, uh, the first hot mm-hmm. races of the year always get me. So it was like, I could kind of fall back on, I know the first day or two in the heat is always going to be a struggle for me. Um, so then it's like, talk to the coach, did a little bit more sodium in the diet. And then, uh, it was pretty quick. You know, it's nice when there's an issue that you can see and you can correct, you know, in the next 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So struggled the first two days and then was working for the, for our sprinter the next few days. And yeah, I mean, that race is, it's insanely high level. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. If it's if it ends on a climb and it, it I don't uh, I don't go for results there. So, uh, but it was a good one to gain fitness in a, a big week. Yeah, which is you know we talked in the first podcast the difference between American racing and racing in Europe. I mean, I guess while you're not a pure climber, if somebody in the U.S. thought of Stephen Bassett, they're thinking of you crushing the final climb at Joe Martin. You crushed what other climb was it out west with when you were the first internet? You had an amazing W. Yeah, like you're pretty uh, Oak Glen. Yeah, you're pretty speedy uphill. But is that just at that ranks here in the U.S. as opposed to being over there with the big boys? Yeah, just the, the climbing speed is pretty outrageous. So <laughs> you know, um, I see yeah, some of the numbers, and I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 really just it's just beyond my capacity um, to climb. You know, a 10 minute climb and how they do it. So mm-hmm. so I basically need to get out front early and uh, try and survive it that way by kind of blunting it by being in the breakaway. What's the most? What do you think you've made the most gains with arrow wise this year? Because I know some of our chatter back and forth on IG has just been arrow based and frame. Any little, any micro things you've picked up that have changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually worked with uh, a friend of mine, Chris Morlock. He always does my chain waxing, etc. And we uh, we kind of tweaked my position to just build it around the kind of ninety degree elbow bent on the hoods, um, that position. Cause it, I always felt like I'm really good in that position, but we wanted to make it so I could hold it more consistently. So some of the tweaks are kind of tilting the hoods in a bit more Remco style. Cause then you can get a little bit of relief on the, on the wrist and forearm and, uh, get a bit narrower and then angled the saddle slightly down so yeah minus six from minus five on the smp um so it's it wasn't anything crazy and but then the thing that really changed was i started training in that position quite a bit just five minute block ten minute block here i a lot of times do it between towns so i don't it's not another interval i just i'm riding to the next town and i'll hold as arrow position as i can so it's one of those things where you you do it you know, in your garage and it's, it's looks great for 30 seconds, but you're trying to hold it consistently for a long time. It, it's challenging. So that's really interesting. You tell me this. So, and so for myself and for others listening, the most arrow is when your elbow is making 90 degrees. Is that correct in what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I try to think about it as like getting as many cylinders horizontal as possible so your torso horizontal for me my feet i like to eliminate my ankle from the pedaling as much as possible so my feet my foot pretty much stays at the same angle as much as possible um, pointed into the wind not that your foot's aerodynamics but physiologically i think that's more effective and then yeah you're trying to get your your forearm i mean you don't want the wind to hit it this way you want it to hit it this way so and that's right so I'm off the Venge now. I'm on a BMC and Venge aero bike, BMC one, not technically aero bike, but the way I sit on it, I'm much more um, 90 degrees because I ended up putting a spacer on. I've been having some back issues towards the end of the year and it actually is my hip flexor. And I think I was just overextended on the Venge and an old friend commented, well, now your arms are actually in like the most aero position. And 
I actually think with this spacer, I liken it to how you now see people on a TT bike with the big riser bars. They look more upright than they do five years ago, but that's technically more arrow. And so I'm actually curious now how that will affect in a positive way, me riding in breakaways. But the thing I noticed, I went and did uh, three TTs this past weekend at the local state TT. And the, I'm not used to the 90, the, my arms like this. I was like, whoa, the fatigue hit very quickly. And so because I had the spacer, the drops aren't as far down. So I was kind of having to do like hoods, drops, hoods, drops. I was mm-hmm. riding on the road bike. And, um, so it's interesting to hear you say that. Did you, do you do anything off the bike besides riding town to town, like planks or is any like good, maybe muscular exercise to get stronger that way? Um, cause I guess it would be, I mean, it is, I'm trying to think of what felt fatigued more. It was more <laughs> yeah, like my form yeah, kind or of my your bicep. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do the rower quite a bit, which I think is approximately right, but <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly. No, so are you rowing? I, I are you doing you this in Spain? Do it on the bike a lot. Are you doing that in Spain too? No, no. I cut the I cut the rower out in Spain, but at home, yeah, twice a week, twenty minutes. Okay. Rowing twice a week. Okay, I'm putting that in the notes here. Um, tell us about this. So the SMP one, people are going to hear you say one degree. Do you, you think one degree made that much of a difference for you? And was that in how you can obviously sit on it, but how did that affect the aeroness? Do you think like what it, one degree seems very small, but obviously small changes on a bike can make huge effect. Yeah, I think, um, I think it was more of a comfort thing hmm. that, you know, we've set up the bike in the stand, a lot of times for, you know, riding how you would normally ride. And it's just a slightly different position, more aggressive hip angle. And it seemed to match, you know, my pelvic angle and, and support that and encourage me to, for me, it's like, I want to be as far back on that saddle to kind of get up on the scoop and push my hips forward. Um, so it seemed to encourage me to, to scoop back and really get the hips rocked forward into a, a more aggressive position. So have you ever nudged up on that nose? Because I tried that a couple times this weekend and it was like, I found this weird spot where I was like, oh, this is weird. I could like kind of sit on this. And then I was really over the pedal spin while I was just like crushing at the end of the TT. It's not something that I could sustain, obviously, but so you're just going all the way back and then yeah. rotating. Yeah, so it's forward. almost yeah. it's almost the opposite of most on a traditional saddle, you know, you're trying to get air, you sit up on the tip. On this, I'm trying to uh, maximize glute power by scooting back and then i'm also trying to maximize the reach of the bike because i'm already on a 61 with a 140 so i can't get it i can't really get much (laughs) more length out of the bike so i'm trying to generate some length that way interesting and then chain waxing you mentioned this guy does your chain waxing is that new to you this year or is that just an improvement in the wax because in our discord which actually you need to get in the discord man people talk about like <laughs> steven bass's stuff all the time chain waxing i can't get on board with but people love it what what are you so gung-ho about it for yeah for me it's it's definitely it's not an everyday thing it's a it's a thing i'll do for key events uh usually basically just nationals because it's it's pretty time intensive um to do correctly it's a multi-day you know stripping it down to you know mineral oil then an ultrasonic cleaner then wax then some other stuff so 
uh, yeah, I kind of outsourced that to, to my <laughs> friend Chris, and he takes care of it for me. Um, but it is, it's pretty significant gains. And uh, it seems like some of the World Tour teams are starting to do it. I know Wanty does it for the classics. Um, so it's, it's starting to come around. I, I wouldn't be surprised if teams like Ineos are doing it, you know, mm-hmm. every day of the Grand Tour. It is, it is definitely labor intensive. I don't know if I'd really recommend it all the time. Yeah, some people like working on their bikes and they love it. And someone was, they definitely didn't know me because like, oh, you just get three chains. You just rotate them every 200 miles and it's this, this, this. I'm like, so I'm rotating my chain every (laughs) two rides is basically what you're telling me. And I'm like, it's just, I can't, I don't know. I hate working on my bike. So what's, what's coming up? What's next for you? How long are you over there for? Um, I'm over here basically until the start of June. So provisionally I'll do tour of Sicily probably more in a support role. It's, it's pretty climbing race. And then um, Dunkirk, probably again, support for uh, the sprinters. And then Trobro, which mm. is like a mixed terrain, super hard gravel, semi-classic thing. And then um, Tour of Norway, which is a pretty climbing race. How's the, how does your training change if you're supporting a climber or if you're supporting a sprinter or is it just going super fit ready to ride your ass off um obviously different at different points in the race but does that change anything mentally for you or like perspective wise yeah not a whole lot it's it's um you know it's it's always funny to me when you see like these uh the leaders on maybe like a French world tour team and they've got like a handwritten schedule of their whole year. Um, but we don't really work. We don't really work that far out. So you might have, you know, three or four weeks to know your schedule in advance. So just being generally fit. And then, you know, with kind of my goals of, of being always ready to go in a breakaway and hopefully we find another one that sticks. Um, just being generally prepared is kind of the, the thing I don't do anything to you know it's not like i see the race profile i'm like okay i'm gonna go do four 15 minute climbs because that's what the race has it's it's more just general there's not enough time to to get too crazy no i think that and i think even and i can't remember if we were talking about this but it's i think okay if you're an amateur listening to this and it's like they're like well you know i have nationals we'll just say nationals gonna be in virginia this year i'm excited to see what the course is gonna be like Uh, excuse me, cat one, uh, nationals, but you know, there might be, as you're saying, a 15 minute climb, but what if people start attacking 10 minutes from the climb? And what if, you know, people don't go super hard over the climb? Are you going to, you're not going to go hard over the climb by yourself. Like it's a bike race. You don't really know what's going to happen. You have to be fit for a lot of different things. And I think specificity for an event to some extent, but the event can be very surprising and you just need to be generally kind of good at everything if you want to actually win. Um, so I think that's a really, it's great to hear you say that because I don't know, I think specificity, some specificity sometimes gets overhyped and it's like, well, how are you going to be specific if you don't know what's really going to happen? So what's, so then nationals here must be a big target for you when you get back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how long will you be in the U.S. for? Does that just kind of play it by ear by, as you're saying, you might have like three weeks notice and figure out what the schedule is from there? No, we we kind of traditionally have a bit of a break in racing. Um, So basically, I come home, have three or four weeks, race nationals, have another 
probably three weeks at home um, to, yeah, I'll take a full week reset and then build up a little bit and then back at it. Well, so do you know what back at it will be? Will you guys be back in Europe? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty much as much as I know It's back in Europe. Uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, it's from my shoes. I'm like, well, that sounds amazing. Like it's a, uh, who knows what the surprise will be, but it'll be big races. It'll be insane competition. Uh, can you strike fear in any of us back here of any like uh, Cat One Pro Conti races that are going to be around that you might be showing your face at, like Carter County again? Or yeah, I think it's, there's the yeah there's the potential to do uh, yeah the the Carter City Omnium Roan Grown hopefully um, just depending on how I come off of. Uh, how I come off of Norway if I'm if I'm cracked a little bit and need a bit of a break, mm. but hopefully I'll do that. Um, we'll just see. But that would probably be the only real the only real one. I wish I could do more local racing. I really enjoy it. What do you like so much about it? Um, I I just like racing bikes. You know, <laughs> uh, I've I've thought about this a lot. Like I I think I really am like a lifetime. Uh, a lifetime bike racer i've been doing it since i was nine or ten and probably it's funny to me so many of the guys on the team are like oh, i'll never do a bike race once i retire <laughs> like that's no i i enjoy racing bikes you know um i like to you know taking apart the puzzle and and chasing uh chasing what works so at local races you can maybe do a little bit you can be there's a little more room for air so it kind of gives you some places to try different things um so that's good for me and I just, uh, yeah, I like racing. That's what I was curious. It was just whether it was maybe like a nostalgic thing because that's, you know, you come up racing in the U.S. and it's good to go back. I mean, I like, I was putting out a little, all these gravel racers put out these calendars and I'm like, I was seeing people post pictures on Instagram. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. I like that. Like you're saying, these guys, these French guys have their schedule right now. I'm like, man, I got to make one of those this year. And so I put down, we have uh, in upstate New York, the club is actually 250 members, give or take. And G-Tour is their training series. It's a road race every Tuesday night. And so on my schedule, I put the G-Tour race down and people are like, dude, are you coming to G-Tour in August? I'm like, yeah, I'm coming back to my parents. I'm going to bring my bike. Like just, you know, yeah, I'm super stoked to go race with guys that I started racing with 13 years ago. Didn't know what the hell was going on. And I still think back to some of those courses and races and um yeah i mean it's just it's just fun to go do it's do you think do most people not race once they retire from being pro like I, i've i hear different podcasts or it sometimes seems like people hang up the pro thing and then they insinuate that like they shouldn't go back and race amateur stuff whereas i think myself I love when people come back and race or like that's the one thing that I thought was cool about gravel. I don't really do it that much anymore, but like you get to go race Ted King and Ian Boswell and people who have done crazy insane races. I would love if more people just showed up at Carter County. It's like, yo, that guy's here. Oh crap. Um, what do you think that is? Is it just they're tired of doing it or do people talk about that at all? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of people get tired of the travel for sure mm. and just being away from home and they want to, they want to put down roots. Um, but then, yeah, you see, uh, you see a lot of it is kind of short lived. Um, <laughs> not exactly. Yeah. There's some, there's some Tom Brady's out there that have a, a six week retirement. Um, that's pretty common. 
where uh, yeah i think uh i don't know i like to put it as like people just like to talk shit in parking lots and <laughs> there, there's definitely a community aspect to like there i mean there's a reason people stay in the sport their whole life you know yeah oh man it's the parking lot pre-post nothing beats it um man this is you know i don't want to take up too much of your time it's nighttime over there i appreciate you checking in anything any other things to share with the folks um that you've been thinking about in cycling or challenges that you've been encountering over there or any last parting words yeah one of the things uh i've been trying to focus on is like i i think i go quickly to to galaxy brain with my training you know i try you know i want to do this 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 and this and so one of the things that i've really tried to focus on is like okay we're gonna pick three things that we're working on you know this year it was more volume mountain biking and aerodynamics so that's you know that's a much more achievable scope when you're trying to pick things and cycling is so big that you can spiderweb out in all these directions but it's like if you're spending you know one day every three months on your TT bike, that's not enough to get you better TTs. So it's like you kind of got to pick where to focus your effort and then actually put enough effort into a specific area to see the improvements, mm-hmm. which I think is is pretty important for any level. What do you think the gap, when you say galaxy brain, then would it have been okay? I gotta do, so you're doing mountain bike for like bike handling skills or what was the goal of that one? Yeah, bike handling. Um, I actually think it's it's pretty important just for the the ability to stay in race mindset is a is a I mean it's not a perfect simulation but I mean I can ride a road bike for five hours and you know not pay attention for four hours and fifty five minutes of it mm-hmm. where I think that was that was one of my goals was to be able to stay focused for several hours straight and the mountain biking did that for me so. You can't, you boil it down to volume mountain biking for the race, uh, mindset and then aerodynamics. What was, what would the galaxy brain be? Like, what's a good, like when you first, okay, what are all these other things that you might want to improve on, but that just came second tier and maybe those get focused on later once you get better at these. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, for me, I always want to mess with the equipment. So I was like, oh, well, obviously I've got speed plays now. I need to get the shoes drilled for four bolt. But that's, you know, that's going to take a couple days. That's going to take time. So stuff like that, that you kind of, you keep in the back pocket, but you kick it down the road a little bit to focus on more important things. You know, three millimeters of stack height on my shoe isn't going to, isn't necessarily going to win me a race, but a couple extra days of volume or, or whatever. What did you think of, we quickly, just a few lines, so I don't know the answer to this question. What do you think of the Niels Vanderpoel mega training because when you say volume that's the first thing that comes to mind is his little not manifesto but whatever you want to call it yeah yeah that's uh that's really interesting it's it definitely was going around the team it was getting shared on the on the group chat and we we're all kind of going through it but yeah it seemed like i mean i was just so impressed by his his commitment to whatever he was doing. So his thing happened to be that he did huge volume and then a huge volume of intensity after that. But yeah, I think we were talking about like, I'm just as impressed by Ashton Lambie doing this like tiny volume, huge intensity training block where he's like doing it on the, 
he's doing it on the smart trainer so he doesn't even have to wind up the speed he can just throw it in erd mode at 500 watts and he doesn't have the wind up so you know either way to me it's like i just i just love people doing weird stuff i love the graham obrey um you know approach so i think in road cycling it's it's less of a an option to be that that um focused on certain things because yeah, Niels Vanderpool. It's it's. I was looking at the specifics of the event. It's like a ten minute ish event. So yeah, if you wanted to train to be produce maximum power for ten minutes, your training would be quite a bit different than what you would do to be a good bike racer. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it it directly applies, but I I really I really was impressed by the uh, the confidence to do it that way. That was, yeah, and I like that he even thought or talked through some of, like, the things that he thought might not work, like the monotony of it or, you know, the sort of the soft skills, being able to have the 5-2 schedule so that he could go see other people like a normal human being on the weekends. And, um, yeah, if anyone hasn't read that, just Google how to skate, <laughs> S-K-A-T-E. Yes, we're talking about skating with uh Niels Vanderpool or maybe it's Nils N I L S but however you pronounce that yeah so i think it's N I L S yeah 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 we'll be in- i'll be interested to see i wouldn't be surprised if he jumps in the if he decides he wants to be a bike racer do you know how old he is i, I think he was he was younger than i thought he was like 24 25 i think okay 26 all right Hey man, this was awesome. I appreciate you sharing yeah, thanks some for light having me. into your brain of cycling and hopefully we cross paths. I will most likely be at Carter if you're there. Um, but yeah, I'll try and link up with you when you get back. We can go for a ride. There's been some amazing yeah, that'd be great. blowing rock rides. And uh, I'm trying to think how far you are. Uh, I think maybe like 40 minutes from me um so either i'll come to you you come to new roads we'll figure something out It'd be great to cross paths and yeah i love it ride with the legend steven bassett good luck <laughs> good luck in the next races man yeah thank you looking forward to it all right man i'll talk to you later catch you later bye, bye.